Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, I'm not going to do a lot of recaps of, of, uh, of things we've already talked about. Uh, you can go back and listen to it. Thank you, Drew. Uh, I'm not going to go back and do a lot of, a lot of recaps on different things. Um, so we want to get into, into more on the subject of, of, of tithing. And there's a lot of other things we can get to at some point in the future. But uh, this is an important subject, an important topic. And, and um, uh, you know, I'm so glad for, for having been raised to know these things. I'm glad that I'm not, I didn't have to learn these as an adult. You know, I, I was taught this stuff when I was young. I'm thankful for that. And, uh, you know, I just think back of God's faithfulness. I know we had uh, Brother Luke gave a testimony this morning. Jay gave a testimony this morning, and they were both awesome. And, uh, and uh, you could go around the room, people that would just testify of God's goodness in this area and how this works. You know, it just, it just works. It just, it, you can't explain it. I was talking to, to uh, Brother Chuck, and he was saying, telling me a couple weeks ago about their story. And, and he said on paper, it just doesn't make sense. If you look at the numbers, it just doesn't make sense. But can't explain it. God, it just works. You know, God does what he said he would do. And many times, Amy and I, over the years, we've just kind of like, I have no idea how that just happened, but I'll take it. You know, I can't explain it. And, and, and that's the good news. You don't have to figure it out. If you know you're doing your part, you can just be confident. Let God direct you, lead you. Now you have to obey when he tells you to do things, but you can just let him guide you and direct you and just relax. He's going to lead you right where you need to be. He's going to do what he needs to do and always come through. So it's such an important, uh, important truth. And like I said, glad that, that I was taught this at a young age. And, and, uh, you know, I was thinking as they were talking this morning, you know, uh, we had moved back from, from, uh, Tulsa. We're living in Jacksonville and, and, uh, the company I was working for was working for Citibank and, and, uh, we were in the process of buying our first house. And, uh, I just, it's always stood out to me. There was a girl working there with me. She got so angry that we were buying a house and she couldn't afford to buy a house. And we were making the same money, working the same job. And yet you're getting to buy a house. And we've been, my husband and I, we've been working, saving up to get a house and we can't get one. And she was just irritated about it. And I just thought, you know, that's, that's the blessing of putting God first in your finances. You know, it's just easy and, and obeying God. So thank God for, for his goodness. Amen. So this morning, you know, we we're talking, like I said, about the subject of, fin- of uh, tithing and giving and finances. And, and we talked about in the book of Haggai, but uh, how the Lord had addressed them. They were at a time where the, obviously the people of God, the children of Israel, were not doing what they're supposed to. And uh, he dealt with them about it through Haggai. And, and they responded, thank God, they got things right. And, but he said, consider your ways. And he wanted to, they were not putting first things first. We read the scripture, Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things we added to you. And so he was telling them, consider your ways, put me first, do the, the first things first, the first principles, and, and the problems you're experiencing will no longer happen. And so, uh, you know, that's the answer for people still. That's what we need to do. But he talked talk to them about this. And of course they responded and and yet we still see it today. People are struggling. Unfortunately, many times believers are not, are not doing well. They're struggling. And, and, and it's one thing about knowing things. It's something else to actually do it and to put it into practice. And we've got to be stirred up on these things. But then when we do it, do it with the right reason, with the right heart, uh, with the right motivation, you know. And, and we'll talk about some of those things at some point as well. But we go to Leviticus chapter 27. Uh, we'll look in the 30th verse. And uh, we'll, we'll finish it up tonight. Like I said, tithing is scriptural. 
It is uh, uh, taught in the Word of God. It is a present tense, current dispensation reality. The truth of tithing is, is important. God is looking for us to be tithers and not tippers. And I said that last week. I'll say it again. You know, he, or two weeks ago, he's, it's the tither, not the tipper. Uh, that's blessed. And you know, let's, let's just be real for a minute. There are folks that, that they'll come to church and they give $20 every week. And if we have a guest minister, that same $20 will go to the guest minister. If there's a building project, that same $20 will go to the building project. Whatever gets mentioned, that's where that $20 goes, but it's only $20. That's not tithing, that's tipping. And, uh, you know, it's important that we, we make sure that we don't fall into that trap ourselves. It can seem easy, but, you know, doing the easy thing can, put, can get you into a mess. You know, sitting on the couch is real easy. Sitting on the couch all the time can get you into a mess. And so I uh, want to make sure that we're doing the right things. But here it says in Leviticus 2730, it says, And all the tithe of the land, and that's important, all the tithe. You know, it's important we not look for areas or ways to get out of tithing. Is this, is this part, does this, is this tithe his? Is that this part? No, the tithe of all of it belongs to the Lord. Whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's and it is holy to the Lord. It is the Lord's. It belongs to him. And yes, because it belongs to him, it's holy, but he also considers it holy. He sees it personally as a holy thing. You know, we gave the example a couple weeks ago. I had, uh, you know, had the $20 and Drew was, Drew was, you know, was doing the example, helping me out, him and Q and, and Drew was, has 20. He actually, he had $20. I didn't have any cash money that Sunday, but now I do. And, uh, he had the $20 and he said, we're giving an example of Drew wanting me to go give Steve, $20, you know, and, uh, said, would it be right for me to take that $20 and just put it in my pocket? Drew told me what to do with it. Would it be right for me to do that? No, it would be wrong. That would be stealing. Cause that's Drew's money intended for Q, wherever Q is, you know, intended for Q. Well, for me to just take it, that would be wrong. That would be stealing. And, uh, you know, in Malachi, we'll look at it in a minute, but it actually says that you've robbed me in tithes and in offerings. That's a serious thing. You know, I don't want to rob anybody. I certainly don't want to rob God. You know, uh, you might be able to get away with somebody else. They may not know, but God knows everything and, and he's quite aware. So just, just being a smart, intelligent person, I don't want to rob God. But you know, the, the reality of it is, is God doesn't just give you a 20 and tell you to give it to somebody else. And there may be times he brings something into your life that's specifically for somebody else. But the reality of our everyday financial life, the way it works is he gives you a 20 and he says, he entrusts you to make some change, take that 20, break it down into some change. And he's only asking that you give two of that 20. He gave you 20. He's only asking for two of it and two of it. He says, no, you go give that two to Q or give it to the church, take it to the storehouse. You know, God would, would Drew would represent God in the example and, and Q would represent the church, the storehouse. He said, you take of that 20, take two of that 10%, give that to the church. And then above and beyond that, decide, you decide what you want to give uh, above and beyond that. And so he leaves something up to us to do, but really it is a good deal. I mean, really, that's good math. I mean, that's, that's really good. He's not requiring all of it. It's 10%. It's actually a really, really good deal. I mean, the government takes a whole lot more than that. And they don't give you the option, right? You try to get out of that and see where that lands you. It won't be a good thing. 
But uh, he gives us, he entrusts it to us and says, I'm going to give it to you, put it in your hand and you have the, the legal right to do whatever you want to, but morally it's not yours. And he said, you give that too. This is where it goes. And it's not a question. It's a set across, set amount, 10%. This is what you do with it. And then you, out of your own heart, out of your own resources, that 18 belongs to you. You decide what you want to do with it. That's a good deal. People say, no, that's, he said, you're missing something. I earned it. I think none of us want to get into the place where we're saying we earned it. (laughs) You know, Israel got into trouble saying, no, this is ours. By the work of our hands, we've done these things. No, that's not a good place to be. It's the grace of God. He gives us the power to get wealth. And none of us really know what it means. I've said it before. Just have the grace of God in that area lift off your life for 30 seconds. And we would all be clamoring for an opportunity to tithe, you know, to, 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 to handle those things. Well, please, Lord, let me do it, you know. And uh, so I want to make sure we look at these things correctly and not uh, uh, look at it in a wrong, wrong way. Some people say, well, no, you know, Pastor Greg, it's all his. It's not all his. All the money isn't his. Remember the example in the Bible when they, the, they tried to trick Jesus, you know, into, about the taxes? And, and he said, well, who's, whose face is on that coin? They said, well, it's Caesar's face. And they said, well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So it's not all his. They have, sometimes people say these religious things, if they sound good, well, I don't believe in the time. I believe it's all the Lord's. Well, then why are you spending any of it? Right? If it's all his, why are you spending any of it? It's all, that doesn't even make any sense. It sounds holy, but it's, it doesn't make any sense. No, it's, the tithe is his. There is a part that is his, but the rest is yours and you decide what to do with it. And the Lord teaches that. The Bible teaches that as well. But, uh, you know, it's important we make sure we look at this right. I want to look at just the foundation of tithing. Just make sure that there's no questions in it. Go with me to, um, uh, Genesis chapter 14. I didn't write this one down, so let me, uh, Genesis, the 14th chapter. This is uh, 500 years before the law. You know, one of the common things people will say is, you know, tithing was, a, was an issue under the law, and, and we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace, and so we don't have to tithe, and we don't have to do those things. Well, this was 500 years before the law was ever established. And I know these are things that most of us here tonight we know, but we need to know these things really well. So when these questions come up, we can help somebody. But it's in, in Genesis uh, 14 and the 18th verse. Uh, it says, uh, and then Melchizedek, king of, Sa- king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of, of God, of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed him, uh, ble- and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And he, speaking of Abraham, gave him a tenth, a uh, tithe, gave him a tithe of all. So this was uh, in the very beginning. This is, this is uh, of course, you know, we can go back even further to, to uh, Cain and Abel, the process, uh, the, the example of, of honoring God with your first fruits, you know, and, and with making an offering. I have a saying that I like. It's first and best, not last and left. You know, it's the first and best and not the last and whatever's left, right? And so that was the problem, and we can look at that sometime. That was the reason why God didn't respect one offering, but he did respect the other. Now, I didn't use the word tithing there, but that principle is there. The first and best part, and then the other was just what was left over, something that he deemed acceptable, but it wasn't the best thing that he had. And so, but this is the first time that it mentions an actual tithe being given. And this is Abraham 500 years before the law ever existed. So when people say tithing is something under the law, it, it predates the law. And then if you go on down to um, uh, uh, Genesis in the 28th chapter, 
You skip ahead in time 250 years, which is still 250 years before the law. Then you have the, the example of, of Jacob. And this is interesting. You know, when, when you read this, when you're, if you ever get online and, and look up tithing, if you Google, it's always funny people who Google spiritual things and they let, you know, Google be their doctrinal source. That can be bad. But, um, uh, is tithing, is tithing legitimate? Is tithing good? A lot of times when people will talk about this and they'll try to refute tithing using this scripture, which to me makes no sense. In Genesis 28, in the uh, 20th verse, we have the story of uh, 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 what happened after Jacob and Esau when Jacob you know, took, you know, got the birthright and all these things were happening. And um, uh, in the, um, the 20th verse, says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will, will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all you give me, I will surely give you a tenth or surely give a tenth to you. And this is at Bethel. He built an altar and he said, if you'll bless me, if you'll be with me, I will surely do this. He said, I will do it. A lot of times there, there are people out there who say, well, that, that doesn't mean he actually tithed. That just means he made a promise to tithe. And because it didn't actually say that he tithed, then that means he didn't tithe. He just promised God he didn't do it. That makes no sense to me. Because you read the rest of the, the story, what happened, and he went and he worked, and, and, and uh, Rachel and Leah and, and all those things went down, and he was greatly blessed, and he left Laban's house, and he went back to his hometown or his home area, and he stopped at Bethel, and God had blessed him. And what did he do there? He built an altar to the Lord. Now, it didn't say that he specifically tithed, but he made a promise to the Lord that he would tithe. If the Lord would bless him, the Lord did bless him. He went back to the same spot and built uh, an altar to the Lord. It didn't say he actually tithed, but it only makes sense that he did because God did what he said he would do. He built an altar that you would follow through on his promise and God continued to use him and his family. I mean, the entire nation of Israel came from Jacob. The, the, the tribes of Israel were named after his kids. I think God favored Abraham and his family for generations. And so I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, Jacob did tithe. We know he promised to tithe, but I believe he, he actually did. He did tithe there. So that was 250 years before the law. And people say, well, tithing's not talked about in the New Testament. Go to Matthew th- uh, 23. Matthew, the 23rd chapter. Have it, it's recorded in two different places, Matthew and in Luke. And we'll look at Matthew first. Matthew 23, 23. Like I said, these are important things because, you know, people have these, these, they say these things and they bring up these different objections. You need to know for yourself because if you don't know it for yourself, someone may talk you out of what you know, right? And you don't want that to happen. And then you also want to be able to answer somebody in love. What does the Bible say? What does God's word say? So Matthew 23, 23, it says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pray, pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, cumin said, and, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So he said, you, you tithe on these different things. He said, but you've, you've forgotten the most important things. They weren't walking in love. Walking in love is, is that, that's, that's our first commandment is to walk in love. They weren't walking in love, but he said, you should have done these things. The new living Bible or the living Bible says, yes, you should tithe, but you shouldn't leave more important things undone. So we'll say, well, you know, Jesus didn't say he didn't, the Bible never talks about tithing. Jesus said right here, you should do those things. He did say you should do this. He said, just don't forget to walk in love with people. 
How many know, we know in, in, uh, in, uh, in first Corinthians talking about love, that if you have the faith, uh, to move mountains, if you have all of these things, if you don't have love, you have nothing. If you tithe and tithe and tithe, but you don't have love, then you still have nothing. So love is, is, is supreme, our love for God, our love for people. But that doesn't mean that invalidates everything else. No, we, we're still to tithe. It's still, Jesus said we st- should still tithe. Luke 11, uh, 42, I'll read it to you. Same, same account. But woe to you Pharisees, you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. The living Bible says you should tithe, yes, but you should not leave these other things undone. So he's very clearly, Jesus said, yeah, you should be doing this. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, tithing's not in the New Testament. Has anybody else ever heard that? I've heard that and heard, what's not in the, what? yes, it is. Jesus said, he actually said this. And then, of course, in Hebrews, talking about uh, Abraham and Melchizedek, it says, here mortal men receive tithes, but there he, speaking of Jesus, receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. So Jesus is receiving our tithes. He may not receive the actual dollars, the currency, but the gift, the act, the honor attached to it, Jesus himself is still receiving that. People say, well, you know what, like I said, we're not under the law. We're under the new covenant. We've been, we've been set free, redeemed from the law. We have a, we have a better covenant based upon better promises. It doesn't make any sense to have less commitment and less honor. We had a better, better covenant with better promises, but it, it, we, we give less honor to Stephen was saying earlier, you know, it's a relationship. It's a partnership. It's a better covenant. He does more for us. Well, then we ought to be doing more as well for him. Our love and honor for him ought to be growing as well. And and Proverbs really clearly, which is also not a law book, it's a book of wisdom, said to honor the Lord with your possessions, with your resources. It says to honor him. So it is an honor thing. And so anytime people, you want to use that, uh, 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 and I will say this, people who have these arguments and have these, you know, objections to it, they don't tithe. Well, he doesn't teach it uh, without, almost without fail. Those people, when they say that, you know, they don't tithe because they just don't because they're looking for reasons to justify. This is what we all do. No matter what this issue is, we're, we're all guilty of having these same tendencies, right? To look for reasons to get out of doing stuff. Well, uh, the Bible is really clear on what to do, right? This is a covenant. It's two-sided. So we have to do our part as well. And like I said earlier, the enemy wants to fight this. He, he's, he's really, uh, uh, very persistent on these things. He wants us to be broke. We have to know these things and be walking in it, right? Go to Malachi chapter, chapter three. And uh, we could spend a lot of time in Malachi. This is such a cool, uh, uh, cool book. And um, uh, so many good things in here. And, and earlier in the book of Malachi, there's some stuff we could look at that would about some other aspects of this. But when we look here in Malachi chapter 3, the verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. So when you have godly principles that he sets up, which would be even include things that were established before the law, godly principles from the very beginning, the first family did. He doesn't change. He, does, he doesn't change the way he does things. You know, it's interesting, the, the book of Malachi, um, uh, of course, you know, that was, was written during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And, uh, and Ezra and Nehemiah, Nehemiah was the last uh, book of history in the Bible. Malachi was the last of the prophetic vo- books, the last, the, 
last of the 12 minor prophets, but the last prophetic voice in the Old Testament. And you know, during the times of Haggai, the prophet Haggai, when he spoke, uh, the people were receptive to it. But when Malachi spoke, they really weren't receptive. And uh, there's a lot of kind of debate about Malachi, is if that's actually the name of the person who wrote it or just the title of the book, because the word Malachi means messenger. So not everybody's in agreement, and I have no idea. I wasn't there when it was written. Uh, if, if Malachi is the person's name or just the, the, the title of the book. But here are the, um, the, the circumstances surrounding the time that Malachi wrote this. And of course, you know, when, when Malachi wrote this, it was 400 years before there was another prophetic voice in, in that, that we know of in the land. That was John the Baptist. So you have this period of, of silence that went on after these things were written. But this was what was going on during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah when, when this book, the book of Malachi, was written. It was the last book of prophecy, and, and it was a, a revelation of a rebellious and insincere people Outwardly religious, but inwardly indifferent and insincere, a corrupt and immoral priesthood of a loyal, uh, also of a loyal remnant and of a coming Messiah who will judge and purify the nation. It was a rebellious and insincere people, outwardly religious, but inwardly indifferent and insincere, a corrupt and immoral priesthood. There was also a loyal remnant in the land, but also talked about a coming Messiah that would uh, judge and purify the nation. When I, when I was kind of looking at different things, you know, kind of wanting to get the history of the, when, uh, of the book, when I read that, I thought, man, what does that sound like? That sounds like the days we're living in right now. You know, we, we have, you have people that, that have a, the Bible even warns of that people in the time we live in will have a, uh, 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 what's the word? A, a, uh, yeah, yeah. A form of godliness, but denying the power. Talking about all the things that would be going on. Those were, that was a description of people in the church of the conditions in the church. We know the world is going to look these ways, but people would be, you know, boasters and proud and, and not thankful and rebellious and all these different things that have a form of godliness, but deny its power. So that would be going on in the church. That's the rebellious people that look the part, but aren't living the part, right? And then he said, it was a time where the priesthood was rebellious. If you read the, the beginning part of Malachi, they were doing all kinds of crazy things. And you see a bunch of craziness going on now amongst ministers. Not we're judging people, but you, it doesn't take much to turn on. Anytime you have entire movements that, uh, and, and voices out there that don't want to cover the truth, only things that people like, that's a corrupt priesthood. You know, when people only want to present th- things that people want to hear, that's, that's, that's giving into itching ears. That's that's a, that's a disloyal priesthood. Those are ministers that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And then they were waiting for, for the, the Messiah to come to purify the nation. We're waiting on the Messiah to come. But when in this, in this environment, what was happening in the state of Israel, what is the book of Malachi primarily about? It's about money. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, Jesus said the love of money is the root or the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil or all evils. And, and, and this is what was happening in the nation of Israel. And what does Malachi primarily cover and primarily talk about issues of rebellion, issues of not doing the right thing, issues of a corrupt priesthood all around the issues of money. Do you think there's a reason why the enemy's fighting Solid teaching and, and people having a correct perspective on money. Why? Because he uses money to corrupt people. And so it's interesting, you know, that, that this was going on. But it says here in Malachi 3, 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Uh, we'll continue, continue reading. Therefore you are consumed, O sons of Jacob. 
yet from the days of your father. Now we can just stop here for a second. He said, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. This goes back to people saying that money issues were under the law, tithing was under the law. Did he say sons of Moses? No, he said sons of Jacob. Who are the sons of Jacob? They were the heads of the families of the children of Israel. He said, therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob, yet from the days of your fathers, the days of Jacob, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. That word ordinances uh, is a Hebrew, and the Hebrew meaning of that is a statute, an ordinance, a limit, something prescribed, something due. It's a prescribed task, a prescribed portion, an action that's prescribed, uh, a, a decree, a specific decree, or a law in general. He said, you've departed, uh, you've gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. So he's, he's through Malachi, the writer or whoever it was, he was, he was, the spirit of God was trying to get their attention. You've departed from, from the, 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 the things I told your father, Jacob, what I've told him to do, you've departed from it. You're not keeping these ordinances. He goes on to say, return to me and I will return to you. Now, like I said before, we read Haggai last time. We read Haggai this morning, just briefly. When Haggai uh, gave his warning to the children of Israel, he told them to consider their ways. They heeded it. They listened. Well, this didn't happen in this case. But he said, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And of course, some people did. Some people had never turned away because there was a loyal remnant that was there. But he said, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, you say in what way shall we, shall we return? And so up to this point, you know, he had been talking about uh, addressing their sins, starting with the different offerings they were, they were talking about. But he was telling them how they were going to get back on track. And it started with their money. How are they going to get back on track? It started with their finances. This is still an important deal today. It's still very, very important today. Then Malachi 3, 8 says, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? I know most of us here tonight, we're tithers. We're, we're people who give offerings. Uh, but, you know, we need to make sure we handle these things correctly. He says, will a man rob God? God asking a question like, that seems kind of crazy. Will a man rob God? He said, yeah, but you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and an offering? Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Therefore, and he goes on to say, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. One of the things you'll hear people talk about when you, when you talk about tithing and bringing it to the local church, bringing it to the storehouse, people say, well, you know, I just don't feel comfortable bringing all my, all my tithes. I don't think it should go to one place. You ever heard people talk about that? I've heard people say that. I don't think it's right. I don't think that that's correct. Well, it says here, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that may be food in my house. So the, there's a direct correlation to where people's money go to, where, to what there is supplied for them, right? And so that's why it's important for local churches, you know, that to teach their people. I was thinking this morning when, uh, you know, when Luke was talking that they came from another denomination, they weren't talked about, about tithing. What a shame that is. Because if people weren't bringing their tithes and their offerings, I mean, there wasn't the proper food in that house. So not only were they being robbed by not being taught, they were being robbed by not having other things there for them that they needed to have. It's an important thing that we do it, right? That's why it's an honor when you tithe, you, you, you see this as, you, this is part of like, kind of like going to the grocery store. I mean, you're, you're, when you bring your tithe, you're helping prepare the table in your own spiritual life. 
When you're bringing your tithes and offerings, it's preparing your answer tomorrow that God's going to give through the storehouse. I mean, this is good for us on every single area. There's not one part of this that's bad. I was reading this thing. I think it was Brother Hagin told this story. There was a pastor that, uh, or a, a pastor he knew, wasn't him, but it was somebody he knew. And he had a successful businessman in this man in his church. And, and this guy, you know, he taught and been taught about tithing and giving. And he had just made this huge business deal and God had really blessed him. And so he came to the pastor and he said, Pastor, he said, you know, uh, he said, I need to talk to you. I'm, I'm kind of struggling with something. He said, I know we believe in tithing and giving. He said, I've, I've closed this deal and it's just a, it's a huge deal. He said, I really, I don't know if I can tithe all of that. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. I don't, I don't know if I can just, if I can, if I'm comfortable with doing that. He said, uh, it's a lot of money. I mean, for me to do that and, and then also just to give it all in one place. I know, you know, I know what you've said. I know we need to bring it here, but I just don't know if I can do that. And so the pastor said, well, okay, I understand. And the guy was like, oh, feeling pretty good. I thought this was going to be kind of a, 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 a hard conversation, difficult conversation. The pastor said, that's all right. I totally understand. And the guy said, okay, well, he started to leave. And the pastor said, well, hang on one second before you go. Let me pray for you. You mind if I pray for you? He goes, yeah, yeah, pray for me. I, this conversation is going really well. Pastor, pray for me. He said, Father, I just thank you for this man, how much you blessed him. But Lord, I ask that you limit his income. So he comes to the place where he's comfortable doing what your word says. And the guy said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't pray that. Don't pray that. Don't pray that. He said, he said, the check will be there on Sunday, you know. But, you know, oftentimes people will have, uh, you know, different things over the years. You know, we've seen things. People will have an inheritance or they'll sell something and, and they, they may tithe off of, the, off of their weekly paycheck, but something big will happen. And, well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you know, you have to, the, the Bible says of, you bring all the tithe. All the tithe of the land belongs to the Lord. And we can rationalize these things. And, and, ra- and you say, like I said, are y'all, are y'all trying to work up an offering? Absolutely not. I want you to be blessed. I don't want the Lord to say, you've robbed me. I don't want the Lord to say, you've stolen from me. I don't want him to say that. And then as a result, being you being in a position where you're cursed with a curse. It's not worth it. I don't care how big grandma's inheritance was. It's not worth it, right? I don't care how big the business deal was. It's not worth it. God has a lot more to supply than, than any other source could possibly bring you. Of course, you know, this man quickly backtracked. Malachi 3.10 again says, Bring all the tithes in the storehouse and maybe food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. What, what an awesome uh, uh, few words there. Try me now in this says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there'll be not, there'll not be, there will not be room enough to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. He said, I'm putting my name on this. Verse 12, all the nations and all nations will call you blessed, where you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. How many, like, how many of you like the sound of that? He'll, 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 uh, how about, how many of you like the part of this sound of this? He'll not open for you the windows of heaven. They'll not, there will be plenty of room to receive it in your life. He won't rebuke the devourer for your sakes. None of us want that. We want, we want the blessing of God, the hand of God in our life. We said that happens as a result of bringing it in, into this, but testing him, trying him, and see what he would do. This is in the Bible. This reveals his will on the subject. Absolutely. Honoring God with, honoring God with, your, tithe, uh, with your tithe works, 
putting God first in your finances work. It works. And other people say, well, I just don't know. You know, it's always tough. And I understand when you're on the other side of things and you've not been doing it, the questions of how is this going to work? Amy read the scripture this morning, you know, uh, uh, you know, when you, one who scatters and, 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 and yet increases, but one who withholds more than is right. If it doesn't belong to you, it's, it, it's you withholding. It is more than what's right. Right. People say, well, I don't know how I can do that. I don't know how that's even possible. How would that even work? I've been there before. You know, how would this work in this situation? Well, his ways aren't our ways. The way he, his math is not our math when it comes to finances. And it's not the new math they're teaching in school. It's heaven's math, right? It, 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 is, it is totally different than the, way, than the way we do things. Thank God for that. You know, one of the, the Bible says that if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. That's part of the key. It's not just doing stuff but having the right heart when you do it. Going back to what we talked about earlier, your heart being engaged is so important. It's so important. And we'll look sometime, like I said, there's so many different topics we can get into. We'll talk, maybe talk about heart issues where it comes to giving, but, uh, relax. It won't be next Sunday morning. But anyway, um, one of the things that sometimes happen, people put themselves in a position where they're not able to tithe because they overcommit financially. What are the problems people run into? They overcommit financially. There's a phrase, you know, when you're buying a house, it's, it's important that you don't buy a house that's too much for you and you become what? House poor. We heard the, heard the statement being house poor. You have a you have a, a big house and have all these things, but you don't have enough money to furnish it. You don't have enough money to do anything else. You, all you have is just taxes, insurance, and the payment. That's all you have money for. Well, a lot of times people overcommit themselves financially to other things, and they think that somehow God is not that this isn't working for them. No, you're not being careful. You can't buy everything you see. What happens a lot of times, it is exactly, instead of putting God first, it's the last and left. If I can afford it in the end, I'll tithe. But if I can't, then I won't. That's what Jay did. Where's Jay at? That's what Jay did. You know, he had the dollar in, in his hand. And he could have held on to that dollar. Most people would have held on to that dollar. At least I can get four miles gas out of this. It may not get me to Gainesville, but it'll get me down the road and I can hitchhike the rest of the way. I mean, most people would have thought that way, you know, or maybe I'll go buy a lottery ticket with a dollar. I don't know. Maybe, maybe people think that, but no, it's not, you, you give him, you give him, of course he said he got in that position for some bad decisions, whatever, but you know, God's faithful. But you know, if, if we just wait to what we have left over, you'll never tithe. I think of Doug's example when he, when him and Lori were first getting started and they're seeing these things, they made a decision. We're going to tithe before we eat. We're going to tithe. Yeah. Anybody else ever been there before? We're going to give before we do anything else. Over the years, Amy and I, there's been many things that we wanted to do. Other people were doing, but it, it interfered with our tithing and other things we had in our heart to give. There were certain things we wanted to do and we just weren't going to do those things. And we're still doing that in areas. There are things we'd like to do, but no, we have priorities. We have things set up. The tithe isn't even ours. We're not even going to consider it, but there's things in our heart. We're just going to give things we want to do for the kingdom. And those other things will just have to wait, but God will bless us with those things as well. You, you can't, you can't just, uh, uh, put yourself in that position just out of, uh, not controlling your flesh. Amen. Not tithing brings a self-imposed curse on your life. A lot of times people read that and think God's going to curse you. God doesn't curse you. It's a self-imposed curse. And this is really the tragedy when it comes down to it. People are struggling because they're choosing to struggle. 
They don't realize they're choosing to struggle, but choosing to disobey the principles, the ordinances of God, they're choosing something else. Life's all about choices. It's all about choices. He said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose, 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 choose. You know, it, it's a sad thing, like I said, that people are, are doing this and they're, they're, they're getting into a place where it's a self-imposed curse on their life. This is a part of the principle of sowing and reaping. We know that Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked for whatever man sows, that he'll also reap. The Phillips translation don't be, says, don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. If a farmer, I'm not a farmer. Where's Dr. John at? Dr. John, he's, he's a farmer, right? He knows, I don't know how these things work, but I'm smart enough to know that if I was a farmer, if we were to open up Anderson Acres and start a farm, right? Out there, you know, going towards where, going to Fort Wayne, Anderson Acres. I w- I'm smart enough to know that as a farmer, if I don't plant something, even if I, even if I bought a working farm, you know, we've gone to Africa and we spent we, with Chris Rallum and, and Chris Rallum's team is in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe used to be uh, 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 Rhodesia and it was the breadbasket of Southern Africa. They fed all of Southern Africa, very fertile. You know, political stuff happened, things went down and things happened and, and, and new farmers took over the land and for a season they did well. But the problem was they weren't managing their land well and they weren't replanting the way they should. Well, over time, if you don't replant, if you don't sow into your soil, eventually there's going to be a curse on, the, on, on your life. It's not that the soil is cursed. It's the fact that you didn't sow anything into the soil that could produce. And that's where people end up with their finances. You know, the grace of God will take you so far. But if you don't sow, it's a self-imposing. Eventually, the soil of your own financial life, where God's concerned, quits producing because you've not been putting anything into it. And it's a sad thing. It's an unfortunate thing, but that's where a lot of people find themselves. Listen, if you find yourself, you're listening online and you find yourself in that position, start planting. Ask God to forgive you. Get your heart right and start planting. Start sowing. Take that tithe. Every, every service, Amy and I get together unless something weird happens and we can't, we pray over our offering together before we get in service. This morning, you know, we're getting dressed. I say, hey, let's do this before I leave the house. And so I said, let's pray over it. Why? Because the tithe is precious to the Lord. I don't want to just show up and even give it. I'm praying over the offering here. Typically, she prayed this morning over the offering. But I want to do it just between Amy and I, because I want to look, this is holy. This is precious. I want to, I don't want to, I want to give it the honor that it's due. I want it. God sees it as something that it's a, it's a holy thing. I want to protect that. Right? So if you've not been doing it, if you've been doing it the wrong way, make a heart adjustment. Like I said, it's always, it's always a choice. It's always a choice. And I will say too, not every financial difficulty or setback means a person is, is doing something wrong with their giving. But if you live in a constant state of lack, you need to go to God. God, is there something I'm missing here? You know, there are times where the attacks come, financial attacks come, and you have to prove yourself faithful. Not that God's testing you, but the devil will see what you're made of. What do you really believe? I think in the moments, you know, are you going to eat? Or are you going to tithe? Well, we're going to tithe. And then God comes through by groceries showing up on the, on the seat of the car. You know, God's faithful. I want to give a little bit of a, a vision expansion to us tithers and givers in the house. Is that all right? 
Malachi chapter 3, and this will be a blessing to us tonight, those of us who are doing this. We need to always be stepping up our our level of expectation about about the goodness of God and the provision of God. It says, Malachi 3.10, it says, Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven, windows of heaven, windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessing that there'll be not room enough to receive it. You know, everything we do, we do by faith. Everything we do, we do by faith. Anything that's done just out of habit, you, you, you rob the power of it. You do it with your faith engaged, your heart being engaged. That's part of your faith being engaged, you know, being engaged. But believing God, it's easy to be tithing, to be giving, and, level, and, experience, and be experiencing a certain level of the blessing of God, right? And then kind of cap out right there. Where we continue to give and we love to give. We love to tithe. We recognize the blessing. We would never consider not doing it. No, it's a part of who I am. I'm going to do it. But we, we get to a certain place of, 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 of resources and a certain comfort in our life. We feel like, you know, we've, we've, we've moved up, you know, into our expectation for God to, to show himself strong in our behalf in this area. We kind of like relax a little bit. I was looking at this, the windows of heaven. You know, the windows of heaven is only mentioned three times in the Bible that I could find three times. There's three cases where the windows of heaven, this, this idea is talked about once here in Malachi. And this was, like I said, the end of, uh, end of the, the prophetic voice, you know, and the children of Israel the, under the old covenant. There's two of the times the windows of heaven is mentioned. This man excited me when I read this. Anybody have any idea where the first one is? Anybody have any idea? What's the flood? Go to Genesis chapter seven. Genesis chapter 7. This ought to excite you. And I just want you just to, to kind of stir up your, your, what's possible? What can God do in my life? What, when I bring this tithe, what's the power of my tithe in my, in my offerings that I bring? What does this actually mean in response in my life? Because he says, I'll, he uses, he says, I'll open the windows of heaven. He wants us to be motivated. He wants us to expect this to happen. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, he was super old. Uh, in the second month, the seventh, 17th day of the month, on, the day of all the, on that day, all the fountains of the great, the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the, rain, and, rain, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So he said that on the, at this time that the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Go down to the 19th verse. said, and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth and all, not a few, but all the high hills under the whole heaven were, were covered. That word high hills is that high, high, not high heels, high hills, right? Is actually most often translated mountain or mount. So the waters proceeded or prevailed exceedingly on the earth and all the hills, the mountains were under water. They were completely covered. So in this case, we have an example of what actually happened when the windows of heaven were open. Rain began to fell, began to fall and all of the mountains were covered. Yeah, like, okay, that's cool. You do realize that's more than just, I mean, we, we, we had a lot of rain here at 530. It was raining like cats and dogs, you know, and it was filling up our retention ponds, right? When I had the Jeep, I used to drive through the retention ponds. Don't tell Pastor Angel. Anyway, I would go mud bog anyway. Uh, but uh, I dare not do that now. But anyway, uh, you know, it, it was filling up the retention pond. I looked in the back, you know, the back acres back there and the, and it was filling up with water. That's a lot of rain. 
We, if, if we're believing God for some rain, we need rain around here. That's a good heavy rain today. That would be a blessing. But that comes nowhere close to the windows of heaven being open and the mountains were covered. All of the mountains were covered. I've climbed some mountains and they're high. But we're talking about like, there are some even higher ones. It said, if we believe God's word, which I don't know about you, I do, that it covered all of the mountains. What's my point? Sometimes when our giving is concerned, we believe God will open the windows of heaven and we are grateful when we have a rain like we did today. It filled up the retention ponds in our life. It filled up, it put some, it put some extra resources in our storage places. That's what retention ponds are. You store water, right? But the windows of heaven are a different level of, of water. That's a, that's a different level of rainfall. I think we, I think we need to kind of increase what we think about this verse. And when we give, and when we, when we quote, anybody ever quote this scripture to the Lord? You said, if I'd give, you'd open the windows of heaven. Well, are you thinking a, a, a retention pond filling or a window of heaven filling? Well, I, I've never seen that. The good news is we're not dependent upon what we've ever seen. We're depending upon what God's word said, right? He said, when the windows of heaven opened here, it flooded the whole earth. Do you think God could flood your life as well? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, flooding the earth had nothing to do with anybody on the earth. No one was sending up a nuclear weapon to cause it to rain. You know, people, you know, different countries are trying to manipulate weather systems and do these things by exploding bombs in the atmosphere. Nobody was exploding anything in the atmosphere. This was God moved. The windows of heaven opened, filled the earth. Go to Genesis chapter 16. You might know the second time the windows of heaven were opened or this, this, this thought. How about uh, uh, when God fed the children of Israel? This amazed me. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread. This is Genesis 16, four. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. Am I, am I, did I say something? Genesis 16, four. Oh, I was testing you. It's Exodus. That's right. Exodus 16, four. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. She said, I I will rain bread from heaven for you. You go to Psalms 78, turn, turn to Psalm 78. It gives us, and it is Psalms. Go to Psalms. It's not Ezra 78. It's actually Psalm 78. Psalm 78, the 23rd verse. It says, yet, yet he commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. That doesn't say windows of heaven, it says doors of heaven, but it's the same, it's the same idea that it's a portal, a heavenly portal will be opened, right? He said, he commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven, uh, um, and, and opened the doors of heaven, had rained down manna on them to eat, and gave, and gave them of the bread of heaven. Men ate angels' food, and he sent food, he sent them food to the full. Like I said, that word doors have another way of saying windows of heaven. I looked it up. What, what, how much, how much manna fell when this happened? Now, of course, you know, you know, the children of Israel, they estimate it was like 3 million people were there. 
To feed three million people for 40 years every day, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of manna. And you know, every day enough rained down on them that they had more they could have kept extra. He told them, don't, te- don't touch the extra. Just on the sixth day, keep extra for yourself. But the rest of the week, don't take the extra. So there was enough to feed three million people every day for 40 years. According to uh, some of the rabbinical literature that's out there, the historians, people who write about uh, uh, that were recording during the period of the Babylonian Empire, different ones were writing what was going on. They said the daily manna that fell spread over 2,000 square cubits. Now, we don't do cubits. I don't know what a cubit was. I had to look it up. A cubit is 5.165 and a bunch of long numbers after that. 5.165 acres. So... The, the manna that fell every single day covered 2,000 square cubits. That's 10,000 plus acres. <laughs> that's kind of, that's crazy. But you got to have a lot of food to feed. You had a lot of space. Three million people, you can't just all cram them into High Springs. I mean, you, you, if you do, it'll be like that Little Caesars commercial that's on TV. They're all eating their pizza. Have you seen that? But anyway, uh, maybe you haven't seen it. But no, you see, who's seen the Little Caesars commercial? All right, Bonnie's the only spiritual one there. Anyway, so. Um, but it was over 10,000 acres. And they also said it was 50 to 60 cubits deep. What is that? One cubit is one and a half feet deep. That means it was 75 to 90 feet deep. 10,000 acres, 75 to 90 feet deep. I mean, in one sense, that's almost, that's almost annoyingly a lot, right? I mean, like, I mean, you, you basically got to get a go to, to, you know, the Jewish, uh, uh, you know, snowmobile thing and get a, get a, get snow shovels to rake that stuff out of the way. You can't even move. 10,000 plus acres, 75 to 90 feet deep every day for 40 years. Yeah, when I give, he'll open the windows of heaven for me. Hallelujah. I don't think we understand how big our God is, how generous our God is. When you, when you do the estimates, uh, it's roughly, you know, 3 million people. That's 400, that's 4,500 tons of manna every day. Over 40 years, that was 65.7 million tons of manna fell over those 40 years. I know there's a lot of numbers, but that, that, that's how crazy the door of heaven being opened for the children of Israel. <laughs> As tithers, as givers, we need to up our expectation a little bit of what it means. When they say, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, God blesses me. My stuff doesn't wear out. My things don't wear out. My needs are taken care of. There's a whole nother level, according to what the Bible says in other places, that we can expect. You know, he does exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could, all we could ask or think. You do realize this happened not on the other side of eternity. That happened on this side of eternity. If you think my, my blessing will just be what God has me, will just be on the other side, there'll be a, a crazy blessing for you on the other side. But God wants to open the windows of heaven in our lives on this side of eternity. <laughs> I read that. I almost took a lap when I started looking at those. I was like, holy cow, that's amazing. To not tithe is foolish. 
Tithing is an act of trust. It's an issue of trust. It's also an issue of faithfulness. It's an issue of faithfulness. Luke chapter 16. We're almost done. Luke 16. Is this all right tonight? Luke the 16th chapter. It's good, Pastor, but I can't wait for Pastor Anderson to be back. Because you're annoying me, this whole money stuff. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus was talking here in Matthew 16, 10. He says, For he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Is unjust also in much. Like I said, tithing is an issue of trust. And it's also an issue of faithfulness. He gives you the 20. And he says, two of it is mine. This is where it goes. Of the 18, decide what you want to do. It's totally up to you. Decide what you want to do. But this, this, you have to be faithful. Do something with it. Do something with it. But of that 18, make a decision what you're going to do. He said, but the two is mine. It's an issue of faithfulness. I don't care where you are. Be faithful where you are. And really, that's the answer for a lot of people. They've got to start somewhere. Start where, if you've got to, if you've overcommitted yourself financially, well then sell something. Get rid of something. Cut off some TV subscriptions. You don't need to have every single app working on your phone. Right? And I say that, but we prioritize, I just don't have the money to do it. A lot of times money goes all kinds of crazy places. Don't go out to eat as much. But he wants me to live life to the fullest. He does, but he wants you to honor him first. Right? Right? What is that? That's loving God more than loving money. You can't love them both. You'll either love one and hate the other, or hate one and love the other. You can't have it both ways. I didn't say it. He said it. Start where you are. That's the answer. Just start where you are. I guarantee in every one of our lives, if you're wanting to, if, you have, if you're not tithing and you have a heart to tithe, I hope you do. Well, start where you are. If you have a heart to give more, start where you are. Sometimes if you just, you're tithing and you just want to give more, it's on your heart to do more for the kingdom, right? If you want to sow some more, if you want there to be more seed in the ground of your life, right? In your field and Anderson Acres of your life, right? If you want there to be, well, sow some more. Sometimes you have to maybe cut other things off. That, that, that makes sense. People say, well, you know, I can't do it. You know, if I'll have more come in, then I'll do it. Jesus said you won't. You know, millionaires are always looking for the next big deal to finally make it. Multimillionaires are looking for the next multimillion to come in before they finally can be comfortable. Right? They're always looking for more because there's always more things you can do, more things you can buy. I mean, Elon Musk is buying Twitter. I mean, you're always trying to buy something, right? Or he's trying to buy Twitter. Maybe he's not going to do it now after the bot thing. But who knows, you know? There's always something you can do. If I just had a little more, I could do this. If I just had a little more, I'd be set. You can be set right where you are. That can be the foundation of your being set in life, right where you are, making the, making the commitment to honor God, to trust God, to be faithful with what he's given you. God will bless you. And I talked about Abner Yoder. That's exactly what Abner Yoder did. Grew up uh, in, the, in an Amish community, very poor Amish home, didn't have a good education, didn't have a lot of training, but he knew how to build stuff. And, so, and, he, and he got a hold of God's word, what to do and how to give, how to tithe, how to sow. He started right where he was. He didn't say, I'm 
I'm going to, let me get my, my Amish business going. And when I get to a certain place, then I'll, he said, no, I'm going to do right where I am. This is what I've got today. I'm going to start putting God first. I'm going to give him his part. I'm going to give on top of that. I'm not going to have a bad attitude about it. I'm not going to do it reluctantly or under compulsion. I'm going to do it because I love God. And I'm going to do what this says because the windows of heaven will be open to my life. I tell you what, God wants to bless us. He's looking for a people that, that are so set financially, so set in his word, so set in the promises of God, that no matter what comes, the kingdom keeps right on marching on. No matter what situation arises, the kingdom of God just keeps right on marching on. And in fact, we become the beacons of light that we're called to be. Amen. And we can be a part of that. You and I can be a part of that. It's his desire for us to be right in the middle of his plan in this area of finance. I don't know about you, but I want this. I want this in my life. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's make a couple confessions before we go tonight. Hallelujah. Pastor, talking about speaking the rhema word over your life. Let's speak some words of, of life over our finances. Does it sound like a good idea? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, this is for tithers, givers. I just want to say this too. Remember in Haggai, whenever he dealt with them, he said, consider your ways. And they said, from the moment you set your heart to do it, I'm going to bless you. Right? If you're in a position where you've not been doing it or not been doing it for the right reason, you can set your heart to do it tonight. And you have to follow through. But you can set your heart tonight to do this, and every one of these confessions belong to you. You can say these with boldness, because I've set my heart to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm doing it. Maybe you need to chase down the guys who count the offering. I'm going to get my check in, because I didn't have it in yet, you know, or, or whatever it takes. I'm going to do what it takes. But you can say these things with confidence, amen? How about saying, I am blessed? Sam, I am financially blessed. I am supernaturally financially blessed. Say, I am completely out of debt. All my bills are paid. Woo, hallelujah. I have thousands of dollars in my bank account. I can pay cash for anything I need, want, or desire. I can be the blessing God has called me to be. Woo. I'm a funder of the gospel. I'm a funder of the gospel. Woo. Hallelujah. The windows of heaven are open in my life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not, like I said, we're not trying to motivate people or get you stirred up to do something just to work you up. This is Bible. This is the promise of God just as much as salvation is the promise of God. Just as much as healing is the promise of God. Just as much as a sound mind is the promise of God. This is a promise from God. I choose to believe it. Amen. I choose to believe it. I choose to walk in it. I will have everything the word says in my life. Amen. Are you in the same boat? Praise God. Woo, hallelujah. The windows of heaven are open to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. 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 Boy, I tell you, there's freedom there when you don't have to fight. 
You don't have to struggle. You don't have to figure it out. God will use you right where you are. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I better stop. (laughs) God wants us blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. He wants us blessed. Beloved, I I desire you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for our time together. We love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for helping us see what we need to see tonight. Father, we choose to walk in line with your word. Father, we thank you for responding to us in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.